was in the gateway drug. My homie was taking subs and he ain't wake up the whole while. These billionaires, they caked up. Paying off Congress, so we take their drugs. Murderers who will never face the judge. And we dance into a song about a face gone numb. But I seen homies turn gray, noses draining blood. I could have been gone, our 30s faded in that tub. That's Prince, Michael and Whitney, that's Amy Ledger, Rip Pimsy, that's Yams, that's DJ AM. Goddamn, they're making the killing. Now it's getting the Attention, cause Sarah, Katie, and Billy, but this shit's been going on from Seattle out to South Philly. It just moved about the city and it spread out to the burbs. Now it's everybody's problem. Got a nation on the verge. Take activists off the market, jack the price up on the surf. But Purdue Farmer's about to move that work. Drug dealer was a doctor, doctor. Had the blood from Big Pharma, Pharma. He said that he would heal me, heal me. But he only gave me problems, problems. My drug dealer was a doctor, doctor. Had the blood from Big Pharma, Pharma. I think he trying to kill me, kill me. He tried to kill me for a dollar, dollar. Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lowry. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your Cognitive Rampage. It's late night. It's cold as shit. I'm in Florida. If you're north of Florida right now, I'm sorry. If you're living in a place where there's a negative next to the number, you shouldn't be there. Humans shouldn't be there. I'm talking to you, big brother, up in Alaska, you know? Hope everybody's doing okay, though. I really do. I really hope you're okay. I hope you're you're smiling. I I do. It's fucking hard. I I can't fathom the people that just walk around hoping people have a shitty day. You know what I mean? You're an asshole if you do that. You know what I mean? If 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 you're walking around hoping somebody gets fucked up or, or trips or some shit, you're a, you're an asshole, you know? I really hope you're fucking okay. And if you're out there in that world or you're listening here or whatever country you're in cuz we're in a bunch of them or however you understand this English language, man, Look, I, I know there's many definitions, and you can tear this shit apart all you fucking want to, okay? You can philosophically rip me a new one. But, you know, I fucking love you, man. I love you. You're fine. You're fucking good. You're breathing. You're sitting here. You're alive. It doesn't matter how long it lasts or what the story is supposed to say or, or how long it's supposed to go or what family's supposed to do or brothers and sisters that are here with us or friends that aren't or some that are leaving us and some that left us last night. None of that. None of that. That's the story that we tell. That's the narrative of our life. You're here. You're alive. You're right now. The air comes in. The air goes out. You breathe. You're here now. And no one can take that from you right now, right fucking now. We are alive together, whether it's social media or virtual reality or anything that anybody else wants to downgrade and say that's not real connection. Fuck you. It is connection. I don't care if you want to make fun of what you don't understand, whether it's a virtual world that you connect in or whether it's earphones that you find your safe place in or the peace or whether it's the music you listen to you can call the virtual world all you want to but it's the world we fucking live in and if that's where you can find love if that's where you reach out then that's okay there's nothing wrong with that but i'm just i'm sitting here with you telling you you're fucking good you're fine you may have a sickness you may have an illness you may have a disease you may be fighting death right fucking now but at this moment this second this very moment 
the air comes in and goes out and you are here. And whether that's suffering or whether that's joy, it's still the experience. Because without the suffering, without the joy, there is no experience. There is only nothing. And would you rather have nothing than what you experience? Be that pain, be that loss, be that anything. Because poetry is beautiful and movies are beautiful. We watch these. We watch them for the pain, for the tears, for the love, for the hope, for the joy, for the story. That's why we engage in such things. This is why you live. And if it's the pain that you're in, if it's the pain that you see and you witness, then fuck it. It's still the experience and it's better than nothing. Because nothing is just nothing. And when you have nothing, there is nothing to experience. There is no life. There is no moment. There is no joy. And if you feel pain now, I promise you the only reason the pain feels as deep as it fucking does is because once in your life you have felt joy that has moved you from the inside out. And because of that joy that you felt, that is the only reason the pain stings like it fucking does. So then be grateful for the pain that stings like it fucking does because without that pain, then nothing would be and you only feel the pain you do because the positive and the joy that you have felt at least fucking once. And for that joy that you felt once in your fucking life, would you trade having nothing? Would you? I fucking would. Because without nothing, you have Nothing, no experience, no memory, no story. You have nothing to tell. But how you tell the story is the memory that makes. That's the echo and the eternity of what we call forever or heaven or the virtual world or transcendence, whatever you call that. That is the echo of not your legacy because a legacy would insist that there was an end to a story. Fuck legacy. Legacy insists that what we do here can't have an everlasting effect. Legacy is so lasting, it's short. Legacy is held on to by the ego. But when we let go of the legacy and we just hold on to what we knew, what we experienced, the memory of which is ours, not that other people have to confirm. Other people don't have to acknowledge and make sure the experience that you have is, well, worth it. Because it's just you that needs to feel like it was worth it, to think like you're worth it in any of those times. So wherever you sit right now in any pain, I don't downgrade your pain. I don't play down your pain. I don't tell you that what you experience isn't pain. I'm not telling you that what you feel isn't real. I'm not trying to say that to you. I'm not trying to say that you may not sit there in chronic physical fucking pain and mental pain and emotional pain. But what I'm telling you is that pain that you feel, you only feel because you have also felt joy. And that is something to be fucking grateful for. And when you can change the perception from the pain, the only reason I feel it at the intensity that I do is because life has been kind enough to hand me the joy on the same potency. That's fucking real. You know it, I know it. But when you're sitting there, right, it sounds good coming from a fucking microphone or on social media. You post memes and everybody reads and it sounds good. But when you go home at night and it's just you, when the phone doesn't ring and nobody gives a fuck, when you're just sitting there, right, it's good to listen to the podcast guy tell you about how fucking good all that shit really is. But when you're sitting there in that in that time, in that moment, in that ecstasy of life that given breath of in and out is when you get to sit there and go you know what fuck that podcast guy and fuck what feels good and what's supposed to right i get it i've been there it's dark nobody sees it but you right i feel you 
But in that moment, it may be now, you may be sitting there alone now. It may be that's that, that moment, maybe right now. But in those moments, we choose the perception of the moment that we create. So if the moment is what we are shaping and it seems to be dark and death and we create no other perception outside of that, well, then that is just fucking us. Because nothing is supposed to be and life isn't fair and people don't treat us fair. But you know what life does promise you? It promised you experience. It promised you joy at one point. It's given you pain and we all know that. But it's better than fucking nothing. It's better than nothing. You've heard it all before. It's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Some of you may have your broken heart right now and say, that's not fucking true. I trade my broken heart for that. But no, you wouldn't. Because without that broken heart, no one wants to hear your story. You don't even want to tell your story. You see, when we sit around the campfire, when we're older and we're, I don't know, more wise. Do you want to hear the story of someone telling you how easy their life was and how they coasted right to this beautiful place they're in? Nobody wants to hear that fucking story. I'm not going to that movie. And I damn sure ain't reading that fucking book. But when you're sitting around that and someone tells you about the pain that they felt, the loss that they endured, the things that they've seen, and then they tell you the ending and it ends the way you hoped it would positively in this great place. Well, that's a story I want to hear on the campfire. So in that moment, when you are sitting there saying, fuck the podcast guy, they don't understand it. It always sounds good. But when I go home, I'm alone. When I feel the pain, I feel it. And that's real. I understand it. But you're creating your story. You're writing your fucking book. You know the life you've already led is a story. It's a book to be told. You're just waiting to fucking write it. But yet, when those dark times come, they give us the inspiration, they give us the wisdom, they give us the motivation, they give us the resume to be able to even say that we've seen life. We bitch about it. We're mad about it. Well, you see, people talk about peaks and valleys in life. Well, change this fucking perception. I'm going to tell you there is no fucking valley. How about that shit? Everything that you fucking learned that you got smart at, did you learn it when that silver spoon was feeding you? Or when you were like, fuck my life? When you were sitting like FML, this motherfucker. Yeah, I text some shit like that. But when you were sitting there, when that came on, did you learn more then about yourself, about the world, about others? Did you learn it more then or when life just coasted? When life just coasted, when the shit was just like, yeah, this shit's easy. When it was handed to you like that, is that when you learn most? No. You fucking know, nah. nah. We learn it in the valley. Though I walk through the valley, that's where you learn it. Though I walk through the valleys where I pull most of my wisdom, but yet I look back on it and say, this is the reason I can't do good in my life is because of my valleys. Even though I know I am who I am because of the valleys I've been through, the good things I have, the wisdom that I share is because of my valleys, but yet that I say life is just peaks and valleys. No, it's fucking not. They're only valleys because you perceive them to be, even though you already know that you learn more in the fucking valleys. So Lord, give me the valleys. Give me the valley so my wisdom can increase. Don't just give me the wisdom. Let me earn it. And as we earn our wisdom, we share it more and we assimilate it more because it means more. And so those stripes that you wear through that shit that you've been through, that's the valley you've been in. So how dare we look at the valley as if it's a shadow of death? Because 
It's not. It's the place the wisdom comes from. It's the place the experience comes from. It's the place the confidence comes from. It's the place these stories come from. It's what you tell your kids. It's what they tell their grandkids. It's about the valleys you walk through and the mountains you stand on when you've been through them. Otherwise, I don't want to hear your story. But fuck the podcast guy, right? He doesn't fucking get it. And the truth is, we all like to think that our problems are, are just our own. We like to think that nobody understands them. We like to think that you're not me and you don't get it. And a lot of that's true because we can't be who we are. Yes, we may experience life on kind of the same rhythms and have some of the same foundation of the beats. But the truth is, it's not true. No one can truly understand you, even if you've experienced the same thing. They cannot. Because when you experience what you experienced, the person you were at that moment when you were created, when the experience happened, look at the possible algorithms, the possible matches that could happen where you're at in your life when the same thing happens to you. It becomes almost endless the way that possibilities match up. So this is why sometimes when you sit in that place and go, no one understands. Well, yeah, you're fucking right. But you're also wrong. because. We all say no one understands. So indirectly, we all understand that no one understands. But to think that we're alone in those dark places, that the dark places that we create generally are things that happen to us just because it is what it is. Those aren't specific to you. You're not cursed. There's not something paying you back. Karma is not following you around like, fuck this bitch. I promise you, you may feel that. But remember, what you feel comes from what you think. And if you don't like what you feel, then you have to change what you think. But in order to change what you think, you got to change what you believe. But most people don't know what they fucking even believe. And most people can't even question the fact that what they believe is only truth to them because of what they experienced. And when we can question that, when we can put ourselves in that place and then contrast it from the beginning of what I talked about to the nothing, well, then you see the joy that's already been placed there. I'll ask you a question. If there was a you, and there was another you. And A, you had accomplished everything you imagined to be successful and whatever happiness deemed for you. And A, you had made it to this place. Maybe this place you are at. Maybe the place you hope to be at. Or maybe even a place you hope someone else is at. And this A has accomplished this. A, you has made it, if you will. They have arrived. But they did it with a silver spoon. Maybe they faced, you know, your basic heartbreaks, the basic stuff that life throws at you. But for the most part, hadn't faced real adversity. But the other you, the other you has also achieved everything A, you has as well. Except the other you has been through everything that you have been through and that are you are and that you are going through right fucking now. 
The other you has experienced everything you have from the loss to the grief to the pain to the joy, all of those things, but yet has achieved the exact same place as the AU. And I ask you now and answer quickly, who do you respect more, the AU or the other you? Yeah. Well, see, the other you is the BU. There's AU and there's BU. And if you respect the BU more because of all those things, then I need you to pause for a moment. Because that is you. The BU is you. So, thank life for all the fucking shit that it's thrown at you. Because the shit that's thrown at you, that darkness you may sit in now or have experienced in the past has created the BU. And without that, you wouldn't even respect you. Call it wordplay if you want to. Call it, you know, call it what I always say. It always sounds good, doesn't it? Of course it does. But see, the sounds good changes because the sound good only comes from the think good. The think good creates the feel good. So if it sounds good, that means what we're thinking might be good. But to get the change, to go beyond that, you have to know what you really believe. And to go underneath that belief, you can do all the reframing shit you want to. You can be positive and all that bullshit wordplay you want to. You can call it this. You can change the perception. You can play with it. And it may last a day, six months, a year. It may go longer. But that's just you playing word games if you're just fucking around with the reframing. You see a lot of these Facebook philosophers that ain't really saying the shit that talk about reframing and positive thinking. They're not going farther because below the thinking is what the fuck you believe. And until you know what you believe deep down about yourself, others in the world, well, then you can play word games all you want to. And what you think will change what you feel for the moment, but it won't last. You have to question what you believe because there is no truth. You experienced it. You may feel it. You sit in the darkness now. Feels real, doesn't it? And it feels real because, well, you've experienced it. So it must be real. But you need to quit the masturbation. I must be happy. I must be successful. I must be rich. I must be crazy. It's masturbation. You're not alone. You see, there's a difference. See, if you say that I'm alone, or if you tell yourself I'm seeking solitude, what sounds better? I'm seeking solitude or I'm alone? You see, right. We still choose the perception, don't we? we choose to perceive the truth as being alone or we choose to perceive the truth as being, I just need to be alone right now, right? We shape that. But you believe what you believe is truth, so you don't question it because above all else, we need to be right. I'm going to go into the Facebook comments now. I went on a little rampage right there. Um, <laughs> went off. But uh, I'm not going to read your name uh, just because. But um, I'm going to read what you commented so I can try to respond. There's a lot of things I want to ask that I want to know more of. Mind you, I have to do a disclaimer. This is not psychological advice. This isn't therapeutic advice, blah, blah, blah. But somebody's 11-year-old sister currently has lung cancer. And he's dealing with the issues from their childhood, abuse, neglect, foster home, disconnection with family. On and on. 
I know what you mean by on and on, man. And moving forward, it's still like swimming against the current, but it feels like that might be making the current stronger. Holy shit, I know how that feels. I know how it feels when you're exhausted and it feels like you've made no progress. But I'm going to start from the top with the 11-year-old sister with lung cancer. For one, I can't even understand or begin to fathom what that may be like. You see, my brother is tattooed on my arm, and he shares the same tattoo as me, and that's the closest that I could possibly feel to that post. And I'm sorry that you're in that place and that she is. The childhood, the abuse, neglect, the foster home. You chose to post the 11-year-old sister first. I don't think you did that because that sounds like it's the most catastrophic, but I think you posted that because that's what's on the forefront of your mind. The issues from childhood abuse and neglect, look, I'm here to tell you that, homie, if you ain't dealt with that shit, then you wouldn't even be able to deal with the first shit you wrote. So maybe the shit you had to go through as a kid, the childhood, the neglect, the foster home, maybe you needed to be able to deal with that so you could sit in the place that you're dealing with now with that beautiful 11-year-old sister of yours. Because had you not experienced that, maybe, maybe you'd be falling apart. Maybe you're the only strength for your 11-year-old sister. Maybe she's your only strength. I get that in your post. I feel it almost like this, this, I think it, yeah, I feel it, but I want to think it like this post here is like, she gives you strength that you, maybe she's brave and you don't, you can't fathom how someone could have something so inevitable and be so brave. And maybe that makes you nervous because she can be so strong with such a dark outcome, but yet somehow you still see the dark in your life as it wasn't fair, but yet she was dealt the joker hand. But I would tell you that both of you find strength in each other here. And if you post that you're dealing with issues, you know, the dialogue that we choose and anything that we say to ourselves or others or that we post says a lot. See, when you say dealing, I look at dealing and say that, well, then you haven't accepted yet that that's what happened. And I know it's a comment. I may be out of context here, so don't take me wrong, all right? I'm kicking your front door psychology, all right? I'm not your fucking dude that's going to tell you to lay on the couch, man, and tell me how to make you feel. I've seen a lot of dark shit myself, man. But fuck. I want to ask you this, man. You probably got one of the biggest hearts out there. And what you're dealing with, with your sister and with your drama and your past, this darkness, Would you give that to someone else if you didn't have to experience it? I almost heard you. You said no. So the heart in you would not give up your past so you didn't have to experience so someone else would. Something tells me that something new that you were strong enough to be able to handle it. Maybe, maybe you have to wear that burden so someone else doesn't. Maybe that helps you carry that. You already know life's not fair. You've seen that already. You knew that when you were a baby. 
the disconnection from the family. I get that. Especially the way that family is pushed to us today, right? Family is everything. Family is the center of it. You have to feel connected. All the commercials that you see, I can only fucking imagine how much that disconnection. I have a very good friend of mine. I would call him one of my best friends. He's a foster kid. We've talked a lot about what he feels when he experiences and that connection feeling. You see, the most important thing is to be connected to self. But yet they sell us that selfishness is this bad thing. But if I ask most of you, who do you really trust in this world? (laughs) You may just start with self. You see, connectedness becomes a perception, my friend. You see, you and I are connected right now whether it's virtually or if it's on Facebook or anywhere the fuck else. See, disconnection is a strong word to type because that tells me that you believe that you're disconnected with family. Well, if you're a foster child, well, then family has a different definition to begin with. So if you open with the word disconnection with family, well, you've already lost in your own dialogue. But you feel the disconnection, which means you think the disconnection, which means you believe yourself to be disconnected. But I'd ask you to pause for a moment and look around you and see if there's anyone that you may be connected to. And I would refer to your first sentence, your 11-year-old brave warrior sister. I don't think you're disconnected from family at all. Perhaps the perception of maybe what this society has sold you, what family is supposed to be. But what I see is you creating family here because you have an 11-year-old that's suffering from lung cancer, but yet you're there. You see, family is also perception. It's what you make it. Family isn't the definition that marketing and the society gives you of what it is because commercials look like they do. Family is what you define it to be. There is no disconnection with family. Maybe from the abuse and connect. I'm not doubting any of that. But I'm doubting your use of the word family. You may feel a disconnection to individual people from your family or fathers or mothers that may have adopted you out. That may be more specific, but look around you and the connection that you have with that 11-year-old beautiful warrior, I doubt you wouldn't call family. So you're not disconnected from family, my friend. Matter of fact, you're the foundation to a two-part family just in that post, and I know nothing about you. I just know that your 11-year-old sister considers you family. And the disconnection there, I'd have to know more. I'd have to go deeper there for you, you know? I get when swimming against the current feels like it's making it stronger, kind of like that old movie, The Blob, right? Or any of those movies, right? Uh, Independence Day, when you shoot it with guns and evil and angry, it gets bigger. Let me ask you, how have you been attacking what you've been experiencing? Have you been attacking evil with evil? Have you been attacking what you've experienced in your past with the same resentment? Have you met fire with fire? Because when you fight fire with fire, the whole world burns. So I ask you, maybe the current that you're fighting or the fire that you may feel like you're fighting. 
Maybe you're feeding it the wrong fuel. Maybe you're trying to put it out the wrong way. Embracing the fire sometimes is the best way to start. I got a few firefighter friends. And firefighter is misleading. I had one guy tell me that you kind of talk to the fire. You see where she wants to go. And you kind of let her, but then you lead her. And you lead her to being put out. And maybe that current that you're fighting against, maybe what you're fighting it with, it may feel real to you. See, here's there's a thing that, that we call early life victories, right? When we're early in life, childhood, right? I'm, I'm looking at your post here. A surviving what you did posting there, well, that creates an early life victory. When we experience a trauma or we overcome something, there is no trauma greater than another. I always say ghetto is in the mind frame because no one's ghetto is worse than the other because your ghetto is in your mind frame. So no one's problem is worse than another's, right? So that's your ghetto that is your problem. So, you know, our early life victories come when we survive those things. I don't care what you want to call it. It could be just one evening, one event, one fight, one something. But when we survive that, those are called early life victories. And what we happen to program and download are whatever coping skills that we use to survive those early life victories. And like myself, I experienced abuse. I don't know what it's like to be a foster child. I don't, but I experienced the abuse, the disconnection. And surviving that, I use tools to do so. And then later in life, we apply those same tools and wonder why they don't work. When we know in our mind they worked at the worst times of our lives, so we apply them in the present thinking, hell, this is the big guns. We're pulling out the big guns because this helped me survive the abuse, neglect, you know, being a foster child, etc. So we apply those tools from those early life victories and we keep applying those tools. We keep fighting fire with fire, wondering why our whole home is burning. And mind you, I know nothing about your situation, my friend. I'm only going off the post, you know, so I would maybe, maybe the current that you're swimming against is, is maybe you're feeding it, you know, the wrong thing. You're, you know, you're, you're, you say it. I mean, if I look at the text, you're saying that, you know, I'm fighting against the current, but it makes it stronger. You're almost, I mean, you already have the wisdom. You're already saying it. I mean, look, this is what I'm doing. I know I'm swinging against the current, but I'm doing it anyway. You're already saying that I keep using these same fucking tools and they don't fucking work and I don't fucking get it because they worked a long time ago. So they must work now. Again is the masturbation. You see, I think too much, and I'm going to get hard here, but I think too much we look at victims, whether it's rape, whether it's anything. I went that far. And we're made to look at it as, as if you're this victim downtrodden person. And I get that. I'm not denying the victimhood. I'm not denying the PTSD. None of that. But what I'm pointing out is we could wear those as stripes. I've earned mine. I've seen that. And I can help others. Proudly display it rather than shamefully display it. You already know. You know what you're doing and how you're applying and fighting the current isn't working. You already know. You have that wisdom. You cannot have survived those things already, and you already know. And if I say anything here that resonates with you, it's because you already knew it. 
It's just hitting your own wisdom. I'm just reminding you. That's all that's happening. I'm just reminding you. There's nothing here. There's no smart fucking dude here that's like saying the smart thing that's going to make you be like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? No, if it clicks with you, I promise you that's you. You already fucking knew it. You already knew it. I'm just going like, hey, you remember? Remember? Hey, you know? See, it's hard for me, you know, to to read that post and I think about your sister and laying there and maybe you do too. Maybe you think about what she goes through and maybe you use that already to look at what you went through to be like, how the fuck could I even be upset when I'm not even, you know, here? But but maybe, ah, fuck, I'm going on a limb, man. Maybe if you see what life is really painting that picture for you up front, it's saying, yes, life was unfair in the beginning. It, it, it hurt you. It seemed all of this way. It felt this way. But look at your sister. Look at what she feels. And look how even the small mo- moments of joy mean something. You know, even when you're standing there either next to her where she's fighting this or she's going through it and she may be in pain. But those seconds when people come and see you at the hospital, those little seconds, those little moments, they feel good. They keep you fighting. You know, they keep you going. Maybe that's life showing you the picture right in front of you going, I know this hurt or I know this felt like this, but look at this. Not as in a comparison of ghetto is in the mind frame, but more as of be in the moment now. See the joy that which is here, that which is present. And maybe your sister helps you see the joy that which we can find in the present. And I would tell you, you are the man that you are today because of the shit you've been through. And like I started this shit out by saying, remember, be you. The be you makes you. I don't want to read no other motherfucking story. And maybe life had to give you that. So somebody else didn't feel that. Maybe somebody else that couldn't take it like you could. Somebody else that may have hung themselves, committed suicide, may have tapped out. But maybe somebody has to wear that for some reason. And maybe they had to give it to you because something knew that you were strong enough to carry it. And maybe it had to make you that strong from when you're standing next to your sister who's going through that. You could then be that strong for her. But see, all of that could be true. Because the reality that you believe also is just your perception of what reality is. So if that perception could be real that you're painting for yourself now, then why can't the perception that I just painted be true too? If you ride the roller coaster and you tell me it's not scary and I tell you it is scary, who's telling the truth? The perception does so. But I know. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. These are the things, man. You know, this is why I get so crazy about these podcasts that I hear about some guy or girl that experienced some tough stuff or whatever it was and got really rich and is telling the whole world how to do it. And then I read a post from someone like this and what they experience. And I see a hero. I see a hero in your sister. I see a hero in you. I don't, it's getting harder and harder for me to see heroes in these. I don't know, so-called podcast legend theorists, smart people that are changing the fucking world by writing books and saying shit. I don't know. And you know I shouldn't be saying that shit. You know they're not going to come on the podcast now. But that's the truth is I read a post like that. And the next one I'm going to go to now, the message that I got here. When I read these, this 
this is a hero to me. Because all those people you hear on podcasts that tell you they were homeless for a year, they thought of some idea, and now they live in Silicon Valley or they invented some shit, well, that's fucking good. But what you're not taking into account is luck and timing. Luck and timing fucking matters. No one is self-made in this fucking world. If you're walking around out there and you call yourself self-made, fuck you. Because you're not. Everyone helps somebody. Some client paid you. Somebody signed something. Your mama raised you, motherfucker. So you can't ever say self-made. But I get tired of hearing that story. But when I read posts like this about your sister and you, these are the stories that I fucking hear. These are the heroes. These are the unsung heroes. That's the shit that fucking moves me. Because I can't relate. I can't relate to that multimillionaire Silicon Valley motherfucker. I just can't. I want to. He's brilliant. Whoever the fuck he or she is. I'm trying to listen. That's great. But I didn't go to Princeton and I didn't go to Ivy League and I didn't go to anywhere else like that. My friends didn't have it made where they just invented some shit because daddy was. I just I, I can't relate to that shit. I'm proud of you. I am fucking I'm not hating. Holy shit. You make me smarter. But I can't relate. But I can relate to shit like this. I can relate to the people that have loved ones dying of cancer, that have felt abuse, that have felt neglect, that get up every day, that fucking bust their ass, that have three or four kids they take care of, they got one kid they take care of, that it feels like fucking the shit's built against them, that they're just got their head down, they got their horse blinders on, they're getting through the day, and they're making it to me. These become the heroes to me, man, to me. I know after all this talk, I'm not you and I can't sit there and I can't hold that for you. But I can be grateful that someone like you is there to hold that for someone like your sister. Because had you not experienced those things, maybe you couldn't hold it like you do or maybe you don't. I don't, I don't know, man. And I'm going to talk about death for a second because... There's a few topics a lot of people don't talk about. They don't talk about death. They don't talk about grief. They don't talk about loss. You've experienced it, I'm sure. You know, loss has always hit me differently. I've experienced it a, enough in my life. Probably not near as the next man or woman, but loss becomes too perception. Because I promise you, whoever you've lost, whether that's your best friend, your homie, your homegirl, your mama, your grandma, your cousin, your good friend. No matter how long ago you lost them, last week, last year, 10 years ago. You still see them. You know you do. You see them. You hear them. Their song, that moment, that shirt, that one time. That's not gone. If we choose to say to ourselves the dialogue that they are gone, well, then we enforce this belief that they are gone and we perpetuate feelings of lost. But are we perpetuating those feelings for ourselves because we think we should feel like we are sad because we've lost them for them? Or would they want you to remember them by playing their song loud, by not throwing away that T-shirt? By remembering that one time. If they could, if they could talk to you, would they say, 
you know what? Yeah, keep walking around sad as fuck. Keep not getting over my death. And matter of fact, I want you to shit your life up too because I left life. And matter of fact, I want you to shorten your lifespan because I decided to do that for mine. And if they could come and talk to you right now, would they tell you that? Nah, you know that. They beat your ass. But they're not gone. We just redefine the nature of the relationship. You see, if the person you love most moved to Antarctica, or better yet, if the person you love most moved to Alaska, a.k.a. my brother. See, we used to live down the street. Used to see him every day, right? Whoever it was. For you. Are they gone? Is it over? What if they moved to Antarctica? South Pole, maybe. You know? North Pole, wherever. No. You wouldn't talk to him every day. You wouldn't see him. But that moment, that picture, that intersection, that song, that t-shirt, that moment, that day, that weather, that sunrise, that tree, you know, their story stays with you. They're not gone. You redefine it. And maybe the more we focus on how sad we're supposed to be because we lost them and we live for them, maybe we're selfishly just fucking our own lives, just pissing our people off, sitting up there above us going, what the fuck are you doing, bro? I like to think that. That's the perception I choose. You can choose your perception of what it is. I don't, I don't doubt that it doesn't hurt. I don't doubt that you don't miss them. Hell, I got friends here that are still alive that feel dead to me that I miss. There's some dead friends that I feel more connected to than some that are alive. Tell me that shit ain't true. Well, if that's fucking true and those people are alive, tell me how you can't redefine the nature of that relationship with that person you think you lost or is gone. I know it's tough shit. You may be hearing this shit going, fuck you, Adam. I get it. That's why I always said it. When I practice, if you didn't say fuck you to me once a week, I'm doing my job poorly. It's hard. Kick in your front door fucking psychology is fucking real. Are we so selfish and self-consumed that we must ooze to the world how much we hurt by what we've lost, that yet we squander away our own lives for those that we say we love that we've lost that we choose not to live our own lives for the ones that we've lost that are most minimalist thing that we could fucking do for them i'd call myself a fucking hypocrite we mourn over the ones that we lose and choose to bury ourselves in our own sadness and choose to say how sad that is that we've lost all these things but yet we choose not to rise for the ones that can't live anymore you see rising is a choice it's not a moment it's not something that happens we don't rise and then we have arrived you don't rise and say here we are See, that perception will continuously put you on the roller coaster that I described before that there's peaks and that there's valleys that if you rise then you must forward descend it's not rising The message you sent me says that if I had $1,000 and I could pick up and start my life anywhere I could go, anywhere else, not on drugs, no legal issues, I don't know. See, I read through these texts, these messages, 
And I'll walk through it for you real straight fucking up like. We're going to go through it. You ready? Hope all is well. Please do. What I do when I left home, someone left home, someone has left home, has obviously experienced some shit in life. All I have is myself, literally. No home to go to. Or anything like that. I want so bad to live a better life. I don't know where to start. What would you do if you had a thousand dollars and had to pick up and start your life from scratch and you could go anywhere? You say you don't know what to do. Where to go or what resources. You just made a big mistake coming here, wherever here is. And I know that doesn't mean I have to stay here where I don't feel safe. And then you admit at the end that I just really got myself into one. So what I'm sensing is a lot of mistrust. You don't trust yourself. Because at the end you say, you're willing to be humble and say, I got myself here. But yet reach for resources to pull you out, but let me pull to the front. All I have is myself, literally. But yet myself is why I'm here. That tells me you don't trust you. So, see, the thing is, is I happen to know this person. See, I'm, I'm cheating a little here. I know the person that sent this message. I know them very, 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 very well. Now I can give it to you straight. You're still telling that story. You're telling that same fucking story. See, I'm going to call you out on your shit because I know you. I know you. One of the toughest people I've ever met. And one of the fucking smartest, too. Holy shit. The poetry is fucking ridiculous. The creative, the creativity, the, the ability to be genuine but not genuine at the same time. Amazed the fuck out of me. But here, five years fucking later almost, and you're telling the same fucking story. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm sorry. It's the same story. You see, when you repeat the same narrative over and over and over and fucking over again, You create the fucking story. You make the narrative. You believe the narrative is who you are, so then you shape your environment and your story to match your fucking story. You believe your story to be so fucking true and so truth of what it the fuck is and how real and fucking hard it's been, and because you believe that to be so much, you continue to tell the same fucking story over and over and over again, and I ask you, how the fuck is that story working out for you? You got to tell a different fucking story. It's the same story. Woe is fucking me. I tried really fucking hard. Oh, I fucked up again. I have no resources. What the fuck do I do? For first off, you have a thousand dollars in your pocket. I can go walk outside, drive about five miles and find about 10 fucking people that ain't even got a fucking blanket and it's 30 degrees outside right now. You holding a fucking G talking about woe is me. 
The same story, man. The same story. How many times you going to tell the machete story? I'm calling your shit out now. I'm serious, man. When does the story get old? When do you stop hunting resources and make yourself the fucking resource? You got the fucking, your smarts are out off the charts. I know that. Shit. And the shit that you have seen, the people that you could help with the shit you've seen, but you choose to tell the same fucking story over and over. How the fuck can you help anybody when you keep with the story ending the same way? You try, you push, you fail. You go back to the same shit, you blame a bunch of shit, and then at the end, you're big enough to go, but it was me. You don't get a fucking reward for continuing to say, I know it was my fault. I know it was my fault. I know it was my fault. When you're a fucking cookie, if you know it's your fault every fucking time, why do you keep doing it? That's kicking your front door. I'm just being honest with you. You, you have the fact that fuck your thousand dollars. You know what you have? You have human potential. You have human potential. Holding that is worth more than the $1,000 in your fucking pocket. The fact you have human potential at its... I know you. The smarts you have, the fucking human potential you have is outrageous. But yet, you're worried about resources and $1,000. Are you fucking serious? You worried about the drama, the safety, the holy shit. Oh my God, I got in this place. This guy or this girl wants to hurt. What the fuck? Stop making the story. You write your story. You tell it. And just because at the end of the story, when you go, I know it's my fault. All right, piece of shit. No one cares. Eventually, it becomes the martyr. I, I get this upset at you because I know how much human potential you fucking hold. If you didn't hold that much human potential, I may try it you this way. I may be like, I understand. Yeah. All right. With a thousand dollars, you're doing good. You're looking for resources and that's good. Here, let's play therapist for you. You ready? Here, I'll tell you what they've been telling you in fucking therapy rooms for the last fucking 20 years of your life. Here it goes. I get it. Well, you're doing good. You're asking the right questions. You're looking for resources. That's good. And at the end there, you're really showing you some humility. You've owned your choices. You've owned what you've decided. And that's good. But I know you. You've been saying that same shit for a decade. But let's keep going. Here we go. Let's, let, let's go further. Because you're smart. You, you know what to say. You know how to do it. I watched you. You forget how long. I have all I have is myself, literally. That's fucking dramatic. No, you got fucking kids. So you got more than you, literally. But hold on, let's do the therapist approach. I understand the feeling of being alone. No, they don't. They damn sure don't understand your story, because that's rough. You've been through it. But they'll tell you that. I understand that you just have you, you know? And it can feel alone. I get that. How's that make you feel? Let's repeat the same fucking behaviors over and over again. And I need a client for another six fucking months to keep the lights on. So let's talk about your childhood for the next fucking ever. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is how much I give a shit. And you knew that. You fucking knew that. When you work with my ass and I work with you, you fucking connect because you know I gave a shit. 
And I'm still giving a shit by giving you the real shit now. And now, fuck that job. I can tell you straight up. God. It's not about starting over. Look, you can go anywhere you want to. You can go to another country. You can go to another state. You can move all you want to. But if in here ain't okay, and I'm tapping on my chest, if it ain't good in here, well, you take that with you everywhere you go. So you can go to that fucking state. You can go with that fucking girlfriend or boyfriend. You can go to that fucking country. You can get this fucking job. You can lose all that fucking weight. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. But nothing. There's a McDonald's in the place that you're going and more than likely an Applebee's and a fucking chili. And wherever the fuck you're going, somebody wants to get the fuck out. So there's no some magical place you're going to go that's going to fix it because you take what's in here with you. You take what's in here with you. And now I'm tapping on my head. You take this with you. You take your story with you and you take your fucking heart with you. And if you're not willing to face that, change that or accept that or at least tell a different fucking story, well, then you can keep moving. You see, there's two types of life, right? You hear how everybody talks about, oh, my life is a vicious cycle. Oh, I live a vicious cycle. Most people, you fucking wish. You wish you lived a vicious cycle. Do you know what linear means? Linear is a straight line. Oh, see, I love it when the viewership goes down. When I get too rough for motherfuckers, I start poking on that fucking cognitive dissonance and you get pissed off. So you may be saying, fuck you. That means I'm doing my job. Holy shit. Poking on that cognitive dissonance, man. I don't even know where I was about to go. I got left field. Where was I? You have so much fucking potential. It's outrageous. But you got to tell a different story. So like I said, if you don't change in here, no matter where you want to go, that's what I was saying. Wherever you want to go, somebody wants to get the fuck out. But you keep thinking, if I just go here to be different, if I change the environment. Well, let me tell you, it takes more than changing people, places, and fucking things. You got to change it all. The biochemistry, the fucking movement, the thinking, the environments, the influences. You got to change it all. You can't just change the people, places, and things. Take the same thinking with you. Take the same story with you. Take the same fucking spirit with you and expect that, well, in this state, I'm just going to start the fuck over. You're lying to yourself. You're fucking lying. You see why I couldn't be a fucking therapist anymore? Why I couldn't do that fucking shit? Because I can't sit here and patronize the fuck out of somebody because I got to keep my fucking lights on because I got to pay a fucking bill. I can't sit here and go, okay, I understand how that makes you feel. I get it. I get it. Well, maybe if I didn't come so rough with somebody and I didn't use so many curse words, maybe they'd listen to you. You see this shit? You you know, we've walked over the same. If you see this much anger, what's that mean? Anger really means what? Fear. Fear is really hurt. Because frankly, I'm fucking hurt. I'm hurt that you let yourself down. I'm hurt that you're still telling the same fucking story after all these years. I'm hurt that the human potential that you still have, it hasn't changed at all. It's probably gotten even better. You probably got more human potential because more of the shit you've been through. And I'm afraid that you're not going to fucking see it. And you're going to keep telling the same fucking story because it's worked for you. Remember in the beginning when I talked about early life victories? Well, here we go. Let's take a walk down fucking real street. All right. You had some early life victories. Because I know you. you went through some fucking hard shit and it got you through it. Well, you have to adapt. You have to 
acquire certain skills called survival, especially on the street, right? So you keep applying those same fucking skills and you don't even realize you're applying them. You don't even realize that you're walking around looking for resources, a.k.a. hosts. You're your own resource. You've always been that. But yet you hunt for validation from others. You are your own validation and your performance does not equal your value. How you perform in life or as a parent, this doesn't necessarily equal your value. That's your performance because at any moment, your performance can change, right? If, you, if your children perform poorly, would they lose value to you? Would they? If your child brings home a bad report card, do they lose value to you? If they do, you're a piece of shit. But if they don't lose value to you, but yet those same rules don't apply to you. That if you don't perform well, it's okay. You still have good personal value in self. I don't have to continue to perform well to find some sort of validation or value that I know in my own human potential. I hold that value no matter what, no matter the performance. But yet when we strive to live life for the performance, guess what we fucking teach? Guess what you teach? You teach that value comes from performance. So I already said, would your child have less value to you if they perform well? No. But yet, if you perform poorly at any task, you immediately devalue yourself. Hmm. So you treat yourself not as you want your kids to treat themselves, and you justify it. I'm just saying, how's that make you feel? Hmm? <laughs> Fuck, you're so fucking strong. Don't think about the start over. What you're doing is still the external locus of control. You see, we can narrow this down, right? I'm going to be very plain, and this is generalizing. Two types of people, right? Those that have the external locus of control idea and the internal locus of control. If you find yourself saying, I'm lucky, they're lucky, well, destiny turned us that way. It just made it out like that. Well, this is you with what's called an external locus of control, which means you make excuses for shit, you blame everything and everybody else for why shit doesn't work the fuck out, and you exercise no idea of self-control or self-will. So we have an external locus of control that I can't control it. It's not my fault. I didn't mean to. You said it wrong. The world gave it to me wrong. They said it wrong. They spelled it wrong. They did it wrong. I'm fine. You're fucked up. External locus of control. Internal locus of control. Do the research. Most successful. Whatever you want to call that, right? Internal locus of control that which I manifest my destiny, that I can make choices, I can make things happen. And if things don't happen, it's because, well, I didn't fucking do shit. Internal, external locus of control. Which fucking one are you? Matter of fact, let's ask, you know what? Who do you think of when I say who is the most successful person you know? Who is that? Whatever that answer is, that right there leads you to what you believe to be most important to be happy. So analyze the person you just thought about. When I said, who's the most successful person? Boom. Were they rich? Was that the first thing? Huh? Huh? See? Marinate. So those we idolize, we internally make beliefs. 
And so as we internalize beliefs by people that we idolize, that we think are we successful, then yet we can't be successful until we reach that pinnacle of what that person has achieved so that you set your own precedents based on the design of someone else. Chasing your fucking tail. So I know this doesn't sound all, I don't know. What's the fucking word nowadays, right? Like I'm supposed to do it some way on like podcasting or right therapy. I have to be kind of everyone's experiences and blah, blah, blah. well, who's fucking telling anybody the fucking truth? Wouldn't you pay an actual therapist or a psychologist to be like, hey, look, man, uh, you're fucking this shit up. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty much you. You would. You'd be like, holy fuck, a dose of authentic fucking revelation. Thank you for some fucking truth. I don't know, man. It's hard. It's fucking hard. I get this much, man, because I care. I'm hurt. I give a fuck. I mean, look, look at the first guy I'm reading about. We all got that story, don't we? We all have some story to fucking tell. But how you tell that story shapes the life that you lead. If I gave you a microphone and I said, tell me your story. And I said, here you go, tell it to me. Are you going to tell me a drama? What, what what network does it go on? What category? Is it a drama? Is it a horror movie? You know what I mean? Is it a comedy? How do you tell your story? Or are you telling the same fucking story? Because as long as you keep telling that same story, you're going to keep making the same decisions so you can make sure the story that you're telling stays the fucking story that you're telling. Does that make fucking sense? I can't have the story that I'm telling not be true, so I got to keep making decisions to match the story that I'm telling. So I don't know why I keep making bad decisions. Yeah, you fucking do. You keep making the same decisions because it matches the fucking story you're telling. Tell a different fucking story. Maybe. Fuck. You know that shit comes from love for me. You know that shit does. Do we fucking work too close? You wrote so much shit. I mean, I read like you were fucking there, man. Oh, you know what? Here's what I'm going to advise you to do. Here's my direct fucking advice. Fucking help somebody else. Not you. And I don't mean date somebody that needs help. I don't mean live with somebody that needs fucking help. I don't mean give them all your money and sacrifice yourself. I mean, go help somebody that doesn't directly or indirectly fucking help you. Don't go volunteer because it looks good. Don't go volunteer because you want an internship. Don't go help somebody because you need a place to stay. Don't go fucking help somebody because, I don't know, you've experienced what they have. Or, you know what I mean? It makes you feel good. Or what? I mean, go literally, just go fucking help somebody. Make your life about not just your kids either, not just your kids and you, because you'll find a way to make your kids more about what you do and how you have to do what you got to do and all that other fucking gangster street shit. It ain't fucking 1998 no more. Tupac died. Biggie fucking died. Get off the fucking street, man. This ain't how the shit going down, man. Tell a different fucking story. You're a fucking mom. You're strong. You're intelligent. I mean, you've seen the BU. Holy shit. The fucking story, man. But stop telling the same one that gives you the same outcome. Yeah. Fuck. The first person I read about. Holy shit, man. 
you're a fucking lion, dude. You're killing it, man. Like you, you're wearing those weights for people. You know that shit comes from love too. You know it does. So, the fuck. Mm, I got one more to read about. Now, I'm gonna try to read some of the comments that are posting up on Facebook. Check it out. Hold on, I gave my little glasses on here, so I can. Ooh, look at that. Do I look smarter? You'd have to actually watch the YouTube thing now if you're watching. Do I look smarter? No. All right. So when everyone is around. Oh, man, that's going to get deep, too, huh? All right, Logan, I'm going to have to get close. I love it when I tap on some nerves like that. I can't read it. Maybe nice. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I have one more to get to. I have one more to get to. I'm trying to find all the comments that people posted on the different social media sites. I try to keep the post directed on Facebook and Twitter and things, but I know there's one more. Um, yes, yes. Um, uh, there was a lady experiencing a medical diagnosis um, and it was causing some family issues. I'm trying to remember the rest of it. It's coming to me, man. Um, it was pretty, uh, I'm not a medical professional either, so I can't go deep into too much of the medical you know, issues um, of what someone's experiencing. I, I'll try to refresh my memory here. Um, but it's a painful issue that's happening on the interior. Um, basically, I think you were telling me that uh, she needed to have a surgery, uh, but she refused to. I'm going to imagine that the surgery has probably led all the way up to the removing uh, of vital things needed to have children, etc. I'm trying not to be too much, but if that person is, is dealing with a medical issue, I wish I could speak on that more directly. But, you know, when you start to talk about the refusal for surgeries for ideas like having children, et cetera, and I don't know if the diagnosis is a risk of death or not. Uh, I don't know enough about that, about what risk that she runs by not having that done. I also, I, I know a little bit about that. Not all surgeries go well, that some actually leave lasting pain. So you actually have continued pain and no ability to have a child as well. Um, it's when you're dealing with medical issues, it becomes a little more difficult because the medical affects the physical, which is on the front end. And so many times, you know, like chronic pain, even when the medical is, heavily influencing the thinking or the thought processes what you're really diving into can get touchy it's kind of like dealing with addiction that i can't really deal with the issues inside of the person uh itself until the symptoms are gone i don't believe addiction like for instance is a actual like a thing i think it's a symptom and you can't deal with the person you can't really deal with the problem the real problem that's going on with the person until you get the drugs out of the way, you get the addiction out of the way. Um, so with the medical condition, it makes it all that more difficult to approach someone on a psychological level because the things that are happening are, are such, they could either be life or death. Again, I don't know the diagnosis. Um, it could it, obviously it could cost a, a dream that, that means something to her, uh, means very much something to her as having children. Um, the post was also a little vague to where I, you said it was causing issues in the family. And I don't know from what end. I don't know if issues from the family are coming because she's not going to be able to have a child or because she's in pain and refuses to have the surgery. I don't know which route that goes. 
you know, um, I was trying to decipher your role uh, in the in the mix as well, which was a little difficult to discern to discern. Um, but the medical issues, again, are difficult to advise for, you know, and, and work through to the psychological part when, you know, I don't know if we're dealing with certain certainties here, certainties there. So it's difficult. It's difficult to walk through the mind of the psyche. If it's you personally that's walking through it, I need to know a little bit more information. But I don't know how much of it is cultural. I don't know how much of it is religion-based, how much of it plays into where she has maybe has a feeling or religious-wise to where she has to have a feeling, of, you know, I have to have the child. I don't know if it's linked to I can't get married if or uh, or if it's just this demand experience. I don't know. I don't even know the outcome of birth, uh, birth defects, et cetera, with something like that. I don't know. So I would, that's, for a one-time podcast counselor, it's hard to address those with so many variables in the air to really directly come at that. From the standpoint, I, I mean, it would be hard not to enforce my own beliefs, you know, by, by saying, you know, if having a baby could equal you dying, then I'm not so sure that's a, a smart move to make because you leave your child behind for one, you leave that responsibility to one person uh, as you risk death possibly as well. And then those that love you that are around you uh, also uh, will, will be feeling that at a risk for something. And I'm, I'm, I would venture to say that those around you possibly would not risk your life for a grandbaby or something uh, if it meant costing your life. So weighing the risk of what that means of uh, from what I did research uh, quickly that, you know, all surgeries are not guaranteed that sometimes you can be left with pain and the ability to have children as well. And I would probably approach this uh, with the belief aspect. I would have to come at this about the beliefs of what it means to have a child, what it means not to have a child, uh, what life means to be in pain. And if living in pain means that the person you are is not bringing happiness and joy to those that are in your life that you currently love, these are decisions you have to begin to weigh, you know, and are you able to care for the child as much as you can with the pain that you're enduring? Have we become, you know, many times we want what we can't have. And so when science or medical conditions tell us that we can't have it, I mean, look at the in vitro and all these things, right? We're willing to go to extreme lengths to an extreme risks, even to have things that, you know, life or biology or something for the moment has told us that we can't or, or enable or unable to do. So I would have to walk down a lot of those avenues. You know, what are the beliefs about the, the having a child or not? What are the beliefs about surgery? Some cultures and religions are not even okay with surgery at any time. So I don't know if there's cultural uh, implications here. I don't know if there's uh, religious implications. I don't know if, um, again, if the diagnosis brings death, sickness, uh, birth issues, I don't know. But from my standpoint, I would have to come at the belief of what does it mean to have a child and what does it mean not to have a child? Those are beliefs I'd want to know. I'd want to ask her, I said, so what does life mean if you can't have a child? You know, and see where these beliefs lie. If the meaning of life for this person is rooted in, in the idea of having a child, well, then it's going to take some time and some cognitive reframing to be able to work through that if the risk is there of death, whatever the outcome, everything else I've mentioned. But being able to confront the beliefs of saying, okay, so you can't have a child 
now what is life over do you are are we suicidal at this point where are the thoughts going right are are we going you know the meaning of life is to have a child so if i'm willing to risk losing my life because the meaning of life is that well then i would attack the subjectivity over time i wouldn't do that up front but i would i would attack the rationale and the subjectivity of that uh and the beliefs the irrational beliefs buried within those ideas of what they could lead to but then again what people believe is the determining factor of what they think and ultimately how they feel and is the predictor of what they will do of behavior. So going into what she believes on all of those levels is where I'd have to start. I'd really have to know how entrenched is being a mother as equaling a fulfilled life. And I would probably explore why that too, where that idea came from. You know, why she may believe that the meaning of life is that or for her that that's all she's ever wanted to do. Right. Again, we tend to want things or believe we need things, especially more when we can't have those things. So it would be a long journey. It would be a lot of door kicking in. Probably she'd slap me once or twice or something like that. But, you know, it's a difficult place to be in. But again, I if people aren't willing to at least entertain the idea that the reality that we believe we live in thus is what the perception is and is truth, well, then it's difficult to help anyone. But sure, the reality is the diagnosis. I get that. The reality is that this possibly could happen if or that this is presently happening because of. These are the facts that we know, but the truth is the perception of it. Do we create the perception of what that truth is to be the strike against us, or is it the reason we go further? Maybe maybe it's a reason. Maybe there's some adopted kids out there that would love to, that you don't know that you could help. I mean, I'm I'm an adopted parent. I mean, I'm not really, I say that. It's like my real daughter, but I, she is adopted. But the truth is, that's my, that's my blood. That's my love. So, you couldn't tell me that there's other options to find that that same feeling and, and being able to help. So there's ways to explore that in a lot of different ways. But if, you know, especially if it's a family unit too, you know, I don't suggest nor would I bring the family together to talk to all at once at all. That's usually a bad thing. Uh, you do that eventually, but I'd like to talk to everybody one-on-one and try to see beneath all that because if the family is having issues because of something, I would look at it like this. I would say that more than likely, everyone, not everyone, that could be irrational, right? But most in the family probably have loving or positive intentions for why they believe and or think or feel as they do about why she should or should not have the surgery, especially the individual. So, you know, knowing what those intentions are helps communicate what other options, strategies, tools, etc., support that can be offered. So although people may disagree on that fundamental idea of please don't have the surgery because or please have the surgery because or have the baby because, at least if the tension, the intentions, right, if you can find a common belief within that group to say, hey, at least the intentions here are for the safety and well-being or for the happiness, if you will, of the person at hand here and not the personal selfishness, right? Not the grandma going, hey, you know, this, or the aunt or uncle saying these people don't get a fucking say. So that immediate family, I would probably, if it was the family being affected, try to bring to the forefront 
what the real intentions are here. And I would say, look, and I know it may seem like your husband, your daughter, your sister is anti you doing this. But are the intentions because they want you to feel bad and they want you to suffer mentally and physically? Or are those intentions by their beliefs based on the idea of a better you or a good for you in their intentions? So at least if then you can, I'm not saying it's the epitome of, of communicating. All I'm saying is, is at that moment, I would work on trying to find an, 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 an intention of the group to try to find a belief amongst them that is the same. To where if we can then identify on the belief as to, hey, bring mom less pain, bring her more joy. Even if we can get as basic as that, at least we can find a common ground to start on as a group, as a relationship, as a couple, as a family, to where we can say, hey, at least we want the best for mom, wife, daughter, girlfriend, whatever. We want the best here. And if that's what the, you know, whatever makes her happy, that's what we want. And then if everyone knows we're on the same page there, then it's about creating the perceptions to meet in the middle around the same ideas based on facts, feelings, what we can live with. And ultimately, it's the decision of the person themselves. So if she decides not to have the surgery or goes through it, we I would explore with her as an individual that these are your individual decisions. And I would also help the family understand that at the end of this, none of you really have a say in this. Not the kids, not the husband. Nobody does. This is her choice. And she may be trying to pawn off that choice or project or deflect those choices as, you know, not all her choice, et cetera. We can rationalize reasons, right? Those are my kids. I have to decide for them. But in the end, you know, it's why you never really, you know, you don't move somewhere for a relationship for somebody. You don't do something like that. You make that decision for self. That way resentment doesn't get built into the relationship later. So the same thing about the family is this needs to be her decision because she ultimately is the one that has to live with it. If other people thus are either upset by her decision, well, that's a selfish view. That again is being about themselves. So I would try to help her understand that ultimately this is her decision, that the disappointment or happiness or whatever based on her decision that anyone feels would be on their perception creation and their choice to do that based on what they believed. But at least we wouldn't have hatred and resentment for one another because we would understand the intentions at least were for the happiness and the security, the love or out of even fear of the person, you know, being harmed or not being around. That's where I would approach those, you know, directly. Uh, but though all of those are difficult places to be, whether that's grief, whether that's loss, whether it's the ones we love that we're, you know, either losing or we're watching hurt or fight in front of us, or we think about our own lives and what we've been through, what we've experienced. Uh, it can be difficult. But change is difficult, especially if you perceive it to be. But if we change our perception about what change is, about what tough is, about what hard is, about what peaks and valleys really are, well, then we can begin to shape our perception to tell a different story, to tell a story that ends well. Because I like to say that you are the author of your story in your life, and everyone has already told you that you control how it ends. But you also control what happens next. I hope I help some of you guys and girls or pissed you off. It's all from love, though. You know that shit. I hope you're taking care of you. It got late. I ranted for a while. Oh. 
posted that one on Facebook real quick. Did that whole rant live with you all there in podcast world, in your earbud, in your earphones, hanging out, however you listen to podcasts. Anyway, the second edition of the Cognitive Rampage will be out in January. The first one I love came from heart. The second one I love too, but it's a theoretical expansion. I love both of them. But we have a new cover. A lot of new stuff, actually. The audio book will be out also in January, too. You can find the book on Amazon right now. The first edition and the second edition will also be on Amazon. And the audio book will be out in January. I do read the audio book. I do a lot of left field stuff, too, to where uh, I'm reading the book, and then I kind of squirrel off and give you some additions, give you some personal notes, a little, I don't know, randomness. Imagine that. The Cognitive Rampage audiobook, but uh, at least I read it myself, damn it, all right? It was difficult, but I did it. But uh, yeah, the second edition will be out uh, January, and Dollar Mental Health Club is actually, we pushed the launch to February. We will be hiring in January mental trainers. If you're interested in being a mental trainer with Dollar Mental Health Club, if you're interested in changing the paradigm of mental health, if you're interested in offering good mental health tools and strategies to people for a dollar a minute all over the world, really helping people, email me your resume. You don't have to be licensed psychologist or therapist. It's honestly not what I'm really looking for. I'm not saying I'm not either. But yeah, dollarmentalhealthclub.com will relaunch in February. We're slowly building on the app too, but yeah. Look for that. Drinkmycoteget.com. Go there. It's hanging out in the back. Go to YouTube. I always point it out. It's hanging out back on the elephant in the back. You guys got to name the elephant. Oh, wait. No, that's Caesar. What the fuck am I doing? Never mind. Anyway, drink my goatees on the top. Uh, pH balance of that water. It's UV osmosis magical fucking wizardry shit. All right. Let's just like this is what these people do. Like, you know, when you like see the person you're like yeah they know that they're definitely into that this is what they do probiotic mushroom water that's clean clear beautiful does so many positive things for you it's nuts go to drinkmycotea.com alfred concentrate is ridiculous all kinds of stuff but uh yeah shout out to a lot of friends um a lot of a lot of people love everybody man i hope you're doing good I really, really, really hope you are taking care of you. I really do. And sometimes taking care of you means taking care of somebody else. It's okay to do. Shit, it's late. Saturday night. Love you. Have a good night.